Welcome. My name is Nat. This is Fangirling, our behind-the-scenes look at the Fangirls audio drama with the cast and crew, where we talk about everything to do with the show and fandom in general. We are joined today by Marie-Claire Gould, creator of the show and writer. (laughs) Hi! We're also joined by Ty Black, who plays our star, Allie. Hi there! (laughs) And Aaron Infusino as the unnamed boy in the basement. Hello, everybody. He does have a name. Well, you put him in as the, the credits as boy, so I, mean, I know he gets a name in like a future episode. <laughs> now, listeners, I am boy. <laughs> in terms of starting out, did we want to just give a general introduction to how you came to the show and terms of auditioning and how you feel about it? And we can start with you, Ty. Yeah, sure. This actually was a kind of a shock to me because Marie Claire, about a year ago, I want to say it was a little bit more than a year ago, had this idea for fangirls and she couldn't really put it into a plan. Like she didn't really know exactly what she was doing <laughs> at that time. So she knew, yeah. So I just kind of got like bombarded with all of these ideas one after another and I think there was a couple that I responded to because you can't respond to everything Mary Claire sends you because that would be so much. But I responded to a few of them and I started getting it. I started being like, okay, this is what she's going for. This is what she's doing. This is a reflection of who we are and what we're going through right now in the fandom. And I could relate to that on some levels, even though she's been in the fandom way longer than I have. And I've always felt kind of unworthy of being a part of the fandom in the way that she has because I haven't been in it as long as she has and as long as a lot of people have. So whenever she started writing and she started casting... I was like, this is your thing. This is it. It's happening. This is so exciting, you know? And then I was approached by Kyle, who was in charge of casting. And he said, Kyle is my husband, everyone. Kyle, yeah. <laughs> he is also Let's be clear. Producing, producing the show because I am a disorganized mess, even though <laughs> what the forest doesn't seem like that. So yeah. just everybody know he is the one who wears the organizational pants. No other pants, just the organizational ones. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's been so cool. He really has, like, he really is trying to create your vision, I think, for this. So that he's dealing with kind of logistical stuff and whatnot. But when he approached me, I remember he said that you know what Marie Claire's envisioned with this. I think you're the best to have this role. And I didn't, like... That was kind of like a lot of pressure on me because I know how important this is to Marie Claire. So I still like auditioned, obviously, but it was really cool that I've been with Marie Claire like from the beginning with all of her ideas and I've tried to contribute, but she really just kind of chose me to be a soundboard. So it's kind of nice, like finally being able to say the lines that she's been working on for so long and kind of being a part of this whole experience. It's pretty awesome. That's really great. Yeah, it's nice to be able to see your friend's visions through to the end, right? I mean, yeah, she's she's incredible. Like, I mean, if anybody knows Marie Claire on any sort of personal level, has interacted with her at all, knows that she definitely says things that kind of put you into a different frame of mind a lot of the time. And being along the journey with fangirls with her has been a totally different thing (laughs) entirely. So yeah, it's cool. (laughs) She's making faces. But I think you might be making her blush, but I'm sorry. She deserves it. No, I thank you. I'm, that's all you're getting out of me. <laughs> On behalf of everyone involved in this project, thank you, Marie Claire, because you have created something really wonderful Aww. here. Thank you. So, Erin, I know that you have previous experience with being recorded, and do you have any other voice acting experience, or was this the first for you? Uh, no, for me, this is, uh, this was definitely a first. I mean, obviously I have a prior relationship with Marie Claire and her husband, Kyle, um, through our D and D campaigns that we're doing. And yeah, for me, it was, she, I, I didn't really know a whole lot about the whole fangirling thing that she was working on. It kind of came up in conversation and she said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. You should do this thing too. And I'm like, uh, okay. 
because I had never done any, <laughs> I have done I had never done any sort of voice work other than what was on the podcast and yeah and then I got the script and you know my role again for me I'm not really a major Star Wars guy so I'm kind of reading through it I'm like okay I, I'm picking up bits and pieces episode nine that was a thing that's the one where <laughs> Kirk fights Spock or something yeah. like one of those two accurate things. accurate right so. But no, for me, it's been really fun. Auditioning was kind of non-existent for me. I cast you. That's what <laughs> she, happened. She cast me. She cast uh, me. And then we actually recorded like in our studio, in our basement. And that was we cool. Yeah. yeah, I got to, I got to sit at the head of the table where Kyle usually sits and tells us all the things we're doing in Dungeons and Dragons. So that was kind of good. Yeah, I mean, no, it's just been really fun and kind of reading through and kind of echoing what Ty said. I mean, anyone who knows Marie Claire knows she has kind of an affinity when it comes to Star Wars and (laughs) just kind of just a small amount. So no, this has been fantastic so far. And I mean, I'm really excited to hear what episode one sounds like and continuation and how the rest sound like. So yeah, just happy to be here. And again, to Marie Claire, thank you for the opportunity to let me be part of this. I hope you get lots more fanboy voice acting gigs in the future. I agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Since we're on the subject of our participation or love of Star Wars, on a scale of zero, what's a Star Wars to 10? I own a limited edition Jar Jar Binks wristwatch. How much of a Star Wars fan do you consider yourself to be? And we'll actually table this to, well, Marie Claire, since we know that she's involved. Oh, God. I have a Star Wars podcast. I feel like that just instantly (laughs) makes you somewhere in the 10 range. Maybe an 11? Maybe an 11. So recently I recorded for Lipstick and Lightsabers, which is, I believe my episode will come out after this. So I'm going to cheat and use it. Use my answer again. I like to view Star Wars as the puzzle that I'm constantly trying to solve in my brain. So trying to understand how it interconnects with us culturally in a large scale and how it interconnects with other genres, fiction, philosophy, psychology, really because Star Wars ends up kind of asking us questions of humanity. And so I end up using it as the lens by which I'm trying to sort through my own existential journey. Mm-hmm. Most make it like spiritual in a sense. Yeah, right? in a way. And and for some people, like Star Wars is a spiritual journey because it's a journey of self-discovery through the lens of Star Wars. And that means that it is as fundamental as anything else that I deal with in my life. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Infinity <laughs> symbol. Yes. And Ty, I know that you said that you're more recent to the fandom, but how do you feel about it? Well, obviously, like Star Wars kind of brought me into fandom in general, like in a serious way. Mm -hmm. Like I always joke about professionally fangirling with people and about everything, you know, Star Wars or my latest obsession with a certain drama like a certain asian drama k-drama but there is a way that i that i look at media kind of the way that marie claire looks at like her life in general i tend to look at all media that i consume from the frame of reference of what star wars has given me and what has taught me what it has taught me because there's something really impactful about the mythology of Star Wars and what it's trying to connect with so many different people. So I tend to consume media now in a different way that I never did before. With that being said, yes, I am new to the fandom. So it has changed my life. I still find myself questioning, am I that big of a fan? Because, (laughs) you know, like some things don't resonate with me the way other things do. But then I find myself getting excited about Marie Claire, like keeps talking about she wants to make me like a a necklace with, it's not a TIE fighter now. See, I don't even know the name of the ship. But, it's an X-Wing. Yeah. Was it, was it an X-Wing? Because I know well, that one. There was an A-Wing, but I couldn't an find A-wing. one. Yeah. You couldn't find an A-Wing. So you were like, well, maybe I can get a TIE fighter, I think. But yeah, no, I really wanted an A-Wing because Tally. Tally deserved better. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, at least I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a big fan because I know who Tally is and I know what an A-Wing is. But when it comes down to it, that is it, you know. It's never been my part of the fandom to obsess over the ships. It's been in my part of the fandom to obsess over the themes and the romance. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm happy with that. Well, ships is technically a romance. So I think that, I don't think that makes you any less of a fan <laughs> if that's your focus, right? 
ships or ships? <laughs> we don't need to differentiate. I think either one is fine and just as valid. I like that answer. <laughs> so, um, Aaron, I know that you seem to be more of a Trek fan than a Star Wars fan. But I, I, I say that just to kind of mess with the Star Wars fans. Yeah, we're not pulling that. We like Star Trek too. <laughs> we do too, yes. For me, I've, and this is probably going to sound really bad on a Star Wars related podcast, but I've never really been a massive big fan of Star Wars. Like I've never really been into the fandom like and things like that, but I definitely respect the following that Star Wars has. And especially for someone like Marie Claire, just hearing her talk about I equate Star Wars to a lot of things in my everyday life. To mm-hmm. me, that just speaks volumes for how far it reaches people and how it touches people. But for me, it was I knew it was there and I respected it, but I know that when you get to some of the real diehard Star Wars fans, if you say you're a fan and there are more diehard Star Wars fans than you are, you find out you're like, oh, I'm not really a fan. I just have a slight interest in this. So, And that's, yeah, that's where like my argument is always, if you're passionate about it, you're a fan. And mm-hmm. I really get bothered by people that are like, well, you don't know these facts and you haven't read this thing. It's like, well, that's not actually what makes a fan. You know, and that's what this story is kind of about in some ways is that we have to accept people in this fandom, regardless of the levels of, you know, where they are. And some of your lines, Aaron, in the audio drama actually reflect that quite well. Well, and even reading through some of the lines, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't recognize any of this at all. Like, even looking through some of the things in the script, I was like, what did, what is, who is this? What are you referencing, Marie Claire? Like, who is Ernest Klein? What? Who is that person? I don't don't know these You have heard of Ready Player One, right? That was a a good movie. But yeah, I mean, again, going back to it for me, you know, I I definitely respect Star Wars and what it's done for people. But me personally, I was never that much of a massive fan to go out and say, oh, man, I got to go see a midnight release or I got to be the first to get this, this. For me, it was just, yep, Star Wars is there. It's pretty It's pretty cool. And then we move on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was there anything in your life that you became obsessed with that, you know, you would feel like you could take a road trip for? For me, oh, definitely would be anything gaming related. You know, I'm a huge gamer as my wife and probably Marie Claire. You know me pretty well, so you can probably attest to that as well. So, no, I'm a big gamer, so I've, I'd love to go to anything gaming conventions. I was at BlizzCon last year for Blizzard Games, and, you know, I'm really big into the esports culture and things like that. And, yeah, that's mostly for me. It's just definitely gaming is the thing that I can, I get attached to and have been attached to pretty much my entire life. Awesome. You're a nerd. Nerd. <laughs> We're all nerds here. Let's just be <laughs> real. It's kind of hot kettle. But. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Okay, moving into the subject of the episode because I think we can leverage this on the topic from the topic of gatekeeping as in terms of how fans are judged or considered real fans by other people who claim to have been in the fandom longer or know more facts. In terms of the episode itself and playing these roles, what was your favorite aspect of it? We'll start with you, Ty. Is this like a question of like what's my favorite part in the episode one? We can kind of keep it. Yeah, yeah. I definitely there's so there's so many things I like about the first episode because I've listened to it maybe like three or four times in the different drafts that it's been in and I think that this last time I listened to it my perspective changed a little bit I really liked Allie being drunk Mm -hmm. Um, I know that sounds shallow I know that sounds shallow but like this last time I listened to it I was like this is cool this is a cool way to start the show because and it was a fun part to act because I, I can relate to it. I, I drink. Like, come on. Um, <laughs> we all do, especially if we're in fandom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But uh, I remember when Marie Claire was coming up with the scene. And it's I'm not going to say whether or not it was based on a real person. But it was. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, no. I'll call it out. Her actual name is Alicia. And Aww. she posted this whole thing. And I'll get to it when I get to it. But yes, it was based on a real person. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the fact that it was based on a real story and the story was so funny. And I remember the first time Ray Claire told me, I was like, I don't get it. 
<laughs> she had to give me context for the rest of the story. And then I understood it. But, you know, I didn't know what fanboys was. I didn't understand a lot of the parts of the story. But she told me and I, I got it. So when I was acting it out, when I was kind of running the lines and stuff, that's all I could think about was that this was somebody's real story and they were actually... <laughs> you know, going through something like this. So that's my favorite part of the first episode by far. Yeah, I think you did an excellent job with the retching noises. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And that was my least favorite part of it. I had to ask for a retake on that one. (laughs) Oh, that was hard. (laughs) So now that we've spilled the beans in regards to this being based on a real story, Marie Claire, did you want to add some more detail to that? Yeah, sure. So this is actually based on just a post that was made in the Galactic Vampire, which is a female-only Star Wars group on Facebook. And a lady I know named Alicia posted this story about seeing fanboys for the first time. People were like, hey, you know, have you seen fanboys? And people just started sharing their stories, good, bad, you know, indifferent about seeing fanboys. Because just like in the episode, it was very much of its time. It was very much, you know, at a point in fan culture. And yeah, it had some influences. Ernest Klein wrote it, you know, Kyle Newman directed it, and it was produced by Harvey Weinstein. So it has some interesting background to it. And, you know, there was some production problems. They got money cut, like things got changed. Like, I'm sure Kyle Newman could tell you more about the actual life story of fanboys, but it ended up being produced and came out. And, you know, fans at the time were actually very excited about having their fan culture put out there on the stage. And this fanboys post got posted and Alicia was like, so I saw fanboys. I was drunk. I got (laughs) drunk. We played a fanboys drinking game with this guy. And then when I attempted to leave the house, his mom, he was like 25, (laughs) lived with his mom. She was like, what are you doing? I can't believe like you're sneaking out of the house. I can't believe you came over to my house. I mean, I, I fictionalized it obviously, but you know, and it was a little bit different than what she described, but definitely inspired by true events that like, you know, this, if <laughs> the fanboy existed in this environment, you know, <laughs> not that we're judging since we do have basement studios, but <laughs> yes, exactly. living, living in your basement and uh, watching fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just genuine, like, and there was no judgment as far as like the situation because I don't even think Allie judged the fanboy or the mom or anything. It was just like the awkwardness of it is genuine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We can all relate to that. That allowed me to ponder the question, why isn't there a fangirls story? Yeah. That was the spark. That was when Marie Claire was like, why doesn't this exist already? (laughs) And now it does. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting in terms of myself being in fandom only for the last three years since the beginning of the sequel trilogy, seeing that a lot of the consideration of fangirls in general is that we either don't exist or when we exist, we are not existing in the right way. So I think the story probably relates to that in some ways in terms of Ali being a content creator creating videos around her love and obsession. And I know you, Ty, also produce YouTube videos as well. Yeah. How's that been for you in terms of informing your role? Yeah, that was actually a big connection, I think, to the character. But, you know, with Allie, she makes vlogs. So she's very much, she's showing her face and she's like, you know, speaking the way that she naturally speaks. And I tried that, I think, a couple of years ago. And you can't find those videos on YouTube anymore, thank God. But (laughs) (laughs) I did try that and I realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I made those private and I started, after I saw The Last Jedi, was re-inspired and started making content that I wanted to see on YouTube. So yeah, like Ali being a content creator did resonate with me. Content creators that I like admire do anything like vlogging or, you know, video essays or like, I obviously I'm talking video, but there's also podcasts and there's metas on Tumblr and fan fictions and what everything. They are a lot of content that I love that I love to consume is like created by women. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So whenever, you know, especially Ali being a vlogger, like that's a hard realm to be in as a woman. To show your face online just in that, right? Yeah. To show your face online, to use your real voice, to say your words unscripted, that takes a high level of confidence. So right off the bat, you know that like Ali is confident and she doesn't care. And she's like, okay, like this is who I am and this is what I want to talk about. And people are willing to listen to her because she's passionate about it. That's so cool. And that's awesome. I wish I could be more like her in some ways, you know, not like her in other ways, but like her in some ways. But yeah, that's cool. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there, even if you're someone myself, like hiding behind an avatar or you're just only having my voice out there. I can completely relate to that idea that there is some reticence and concern for how you'll be treated online. Mm-hmm. Aaron, as somebody who plays video games, did you ever do any streaming or live stuff? I tried doing streaming once or twice, but for me, it takes a lot of commitment. Like I know a few people who do stream and I know the investment it takes. Like mm-hmm. I know in order to, you know, to have new content and, you know, to kind of satisfy and tie, you can probably relate to this as well, that you got to put a lot of time in, you know, to always put out new stuff to, you know, your followers are going to be saying, you know, die, where's your next video? The last one was so good. And you're just like, mm-hmm. well, I got this going on. And if you've got a full-time job and you've got a significant other or, yeah, you know, there's so much stuff going on. So You know, I did try it for a bit, but there's so many little moving pieces to it that, you know, it just kind of took away from what I actually wanted to do just to enjoy kind of the gaming aspect of things. So, you know, I'll watch streamers when I can just to see, you know, man, they're doing something that I wish I could do and make tons of money doing because those gaming streamers make far too much money doing doing those things. And I'll leave it at that. But I envy those people sometimes, but at the same time, I know the amount of work and time that they put in and to have sort of a healthy social life is difficult to get to that level, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a labor of love, especially for the first part of it. If you, you don't, there's no guarantee of actually becoming popular. So you have to have a certain amount of drive and investment in it beyond expecting a monetary return at some point, which I think we can all relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sure for some, not everyone wants sort of a monetary return. They just yes. want content for something that they appreciate, right? Like I don't, exactly. I don't think it's everyone's expectations to be like, you know what, I'm going to make millions of dollars putting out, let's say, for example, Star Wars content. No, they just, <laughs> some people just want to do it because they love putting out Star Wars content. And that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And being a part of the conversation, I think was, is like one of the biggest things I see from people that I connect with online is if they're putting out media, if they're putting out content, they just want to be a part of what's going on. They don't necessarily want to make money. They just want to be a part of the conversation. And that's really cool. Agreed. I think so. That was my personal motivation. And I think Marie Claire's as well. And yours sounds like yours as well in terms of looking at the fandom as a whole and seeing that there weren't a lot of people saying the things that I felt or wanted to say and then putting them forth to be that voice is the most important thing, I think. And prioritizing that is much, much more healthy than worrying about if you're going to be able to pay your bills with it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right, let's go into something more fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ask a personal question here, but we'll keep it as G-rated as possible. (laughs) Tell me about a time you found yourself in a walk of shame after a fun party or adventure. <laughs> and we'll start with you, Marie Claire, since... <laughs> I didn't even know these questions were coming. Oh, no. It's even yeah. better when you're put I on the spot. several. Uh, okay, I got to narrow down to like, what is the most embarrassing walk of shame that I've ever been on? I was young once. Oh, Kyle, you're going to have to cut so much silence from this. Okay, so the, there's the time that I literally slept over at a guy's house, even though I knew he wasn't interested in me. <laughs> We've been there. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I have, I've ever had a walk of shame with Kyle in my life, <laughs> obviously. He'll be editing this and remember it. I don't remember any walks of shame with Kyle. Yeah, there was this. Okay, I'm just trying to decide which is worse. I feel like I feel like the staying over the at the guy. So there was a house party. I was invited to. I was texting this guy that I was super interested in. He was the brother of a friend, and I was 
visiting another city and you know i had a place to stay it was fine but he invited me to this house party so i hung out and he you know i was like drinking and and having fun and i slept over but he was like like i slept over in his bed he's like but i gotta work in the morning and literally not like nothing happened like he wouldn't do it i was like i'm sleeping in your bed and nothing happened and then i had to like go home after <laughs> like that was like disappointment walk of shame like in the morning like I had to leave at like 5 a.m because he had to work like at six so yeah that happens unfortunately <laughs> that was like I'm, I'm literally sleeping in your bed and you're like not doing anything with me we're gonna call that the walk of disappointment that was the walk of disappointment yeah that's amazing <laughs> how about you Aaron oh boy um, <laughs> no it's, and see for me I'm kind of along the same lines as Marie Claire I haven't really had a whole lot of walks of change I haven't I've had embarrassing moments for sure like I kind of have one that's very similar to Marie Claire's story I was at a I was living with a couple of guys in the city that I'm in and we had some people over and one of the female patrons got a little too intoxicated so she decided to stay over and she slept in my bed again nothing happened but she's <laughs> in my bed but then in the morning is where things got kind of weird <laughs> so i remember waking up and i looked over just to see like oh she's still there and then as i looked over she also woke up and looked at me so i think the timing was she thought that i was staring at her while she was sleeping <laughs> Oh no. And so I like left instantly. I'm like, I need to get out of my room for some reason. And then just the rest of the time, like she booked it out of there. I think as fast as I've ever seen anyone move, she's like, no, I, I gotta. And I'm like, is that, and she like, wouldn't even talk to me. Like I couldn't even complete a sentence to her. Cause she was like trying to put as much distance between the house and her as humanly possible. It's like the reverse of my story. Yeah, it was the reverse. It was her walk of shame. It was her her walk of shame, but I felt really bad. I'm like, this girl thinks that I stare at women while they sleep, (laughs) which I don't. So Paige, if you're listening, I don't stare at you while you sleep. (laughs) So That's that's a good story. Coming of age tale. That's great. That's great. And of course, you, Ty, you need to dish on this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint, but... Do we only have disappointing stories? Well, even worse, because I got married at 20. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. You've been, like, married to your high school sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been with Corey since I was 19. So I... (laughs) It's it's here. No, I... (laughs) I was talking to him tonight about it. I was like, do I even have any of these stories? Like, even if it's with you and he's like, eh, there was that one time. And I was like, oh, but it was uh, the first, honestly, the only thing I can say is the first night I ever got really drunk. He was there. I was at a party and he had to carry me out. And I would say that's the closest I've ever had to a walk of shame. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm carrying you. <laughs> Yeah, because God forbid, I was never, I never wanted to be carried out of a party. I was too proud for that. But no, he had to carry me out and it was very embarrassing. But that was probably the worst. So I'm lucky that I got married young, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good partnership. They'll carry you out of a party. (laughs) Yes, it was. He carried me up until we got to the car and then he had nothing to do with me when we got back to the apartment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not holding your hair oh no oh, no no no, no, no. <laughs> I did that for myself <laughs> anywho oh, thank you for sharing I know that this puts everybody in an awkward situation but if you want to feel better about yourselves I had a walk of shame only about three weeks ago oh my I went God. to New Orleans so you know oh that's understandable <laughs> that's New Orleans <laughs> and it was nothing inappropriate happened I just you know woke up on some random bachelor parties couch and had to grab my shoes and jet out of that (laughs) that uh, nice airbnb anyway that's fabulous though i have to say like that's like a fabulous story (laughs) i am living the adult child dream (laughs) waking up in new orleans Mm -hmm. that's amazing love that city (laughs) yeah 
It's great. I think you guys already talked about what you liked most about the episode, but if there's anything else that you... Uh, I don't think Aaron did, actually. Really? Oh, shoot. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me also, fix that. Also B. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, okay. You, you like everything. You wrote it. You're like, I, mean, I, I love everything. I did. It is a bit self-indulgent. Yeah. I mean, kind of one, I guess reading my portion of the episode was really fun, especially reading it right in front of Marie Claire and seeing her reaction to me reading some of the lines. Cause it was my first time ever doing any sort of voice acting. And we do a couple lines two or three times and just seeing her kind of, react to how I would say something. I'm like, oh, sweet. There's a chance that someone else will have this exact same reaction. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. this, do that. So, I mean, to be honest, I haven't heard anything yet. I was extremely disappointed that I wasn't in the preview, but Reclare will take that <laughs> offline and discuss that afterwards. <laughs> you guys are going to meet in the Denny's parking lot and duke it out over it. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Up here in Canada, we only meet in Tim Hortons parking lots. Oh, that's true. Sorry. Or Humpty's. <laughs> Or Humphreys, yes. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think just doing the whole show so far has been really good and it's it's just really fun. And I'm really excited to see what the first episode sounds like. Um, I've already heard some things about it, which is we good. I tried to send it to you. And you're like, no, I will wait until it shows up in my podcast That's right. app. That's right. I want to wait. I can wait. <laughs> you sound awesome. You sound great. We're recording this before it comes out. Oh, thank you. I, I have early Patreon feedback, and you sound like a fanboy. Success. Hurrah. Is that really a good thing, though? <laughs> I mean, an actor's actor yes, defined yes. by his success as the character, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny because this kind of does strike home a little bit for me because I actually did live in my mom's basement for a small period of time. So I'm living out the Italian stereotype, first of all, living in your mom's basement until you get married and move out, as well as sort of the not so much of a fanboy, but kind of the certain... I don't want to say nerdy lifestyle because all of us are kind of nerds here and we don't all live in our parents' basements. But that's kind of how it touched home for me. Because I remember when Marie Claire said, she's like, you actually live in your mom's basement. And my wife and Kyle just start howling. They're like, it totally happened. You totally did. And I'm like, yeah, I did. So thanks for that. <laughs> called out. Yeah, I got called out on that one. No, so that's, it's been, that's what I enjoyed the most was just doing my lines and having someone there to see their reaction on it. Yeah, which is not like for the rest of the cast, they don't get that love because I anybody I could record with in person, I did. And uh, if they needed my help, I read opposite them. So I read like the lines between their lines and I also gave them instantaneous feedback. So it was a little bit easier to make sure that they were good. And I think that the cast now that we're on, we're at this point, we're recording episode three and it's uh, they're getting really good. So you're getting Mm -hmm. caught up with that. I'm going to go into my favorite part of the episode, which is one of the ladies that wasn't able to make it tonight, uh, Lissette, who plays your mom, Erin, in the episode. Mommy. Mommy. She actually told me this story when I invited her over. She's a local actress in the Calgary theater community that I know from my work with uh, Morpheus Theater, which is a community theater group that I'm part of. I'm actually on the board and she's also on the board. So we just had this conversation. I'm like, you should come over because you're a mom and you sound like a mom and you'd be great. So she came over, she read the script beforehand and she's like, you know, what's really funny. And I'm like, what's really funny, Lissette? She's like, I literally had this situation happen to me where I was the mom, but I walked in on my son, like having sex with a girl. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Ah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it has not happened just once, but multiple times now. <gasps> oh, my so, goodness. So she Locked like, the door. <laughs> she, tra- she like channeled all of that rage. <laughs> that she was experiencing just because like she's mad at her son primarily because he doesn't ask and like it's still her house he's yeah. not paying rent or anything he doesn't lock the door like she just like <laughs> channeled all of that rage into that scene so you can really hear it in her voice with how like thick with like disgust it is mm-hmm. it's very good it she's is. very good i i'm very impressed with you Lisette. so when you listen to this <laughs> Yes, shout out to Lizette. Thank you for providing us Maybe with that. Maybe it wasn't sex, but I, certainly somebody was naked. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> enough. I don't think any mother wants to see that. So yeah, True. 
All right. So in terms of favorite line reading, let's get specific here. Ty, did you have one in particular that you liked? There's so many, but like, honestly, the line, I liked the prequels. They were my first Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. That line, that killed me every time. Like every time I read it, it was just like, oh, like, you know, shot to the heart because they were my first Star Wars movies. (laughs) And I did like the prequels. And that's something that really hits home for me because I remember when I was trying to be a Star Wars fan when I was a kid and, uh, you know, saying that I want to be a fan of Star Wars because of, because of the prequels and then going back and watching the previous ones, the originals, trying to like pick up books or novels or something like some other content and then being told like the prequels suck, like the prequels aren't anything like the originals. You're not really a fan if you think the prequels are better than the originals. Like your lineup has to start with Empire Strikes Back. That's the best one. Everything else, (laughs) (laughs) you know, the prequels are always last, like whatever. So that dispelled me from the fandom, like that got rid of me until The Last Jedi. So yeah, that was my favorite line. That's my favorite line reading because I felt where she was coming from. You had that personal experience. Absolutely. I think we all kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I mean, history repeats itself and now too, but yeah. uh, do, do you have a favorite prequels movie? I actually liked the Phantom Menace like a lot because that, mm-hmm. that was that was first one. So it has like a very sentimental part of me. My favorite prequels movie is the Clone Wars, which is like the most hated one. Like at first it was the Phantom Menace, but kind of yeah, like Attack of the Clones. The Clone Wars. Yeah, sorry, Clo- uh, the yeah Attack of the Clones. The Clone Wars is a different movie. It's so hard movie. to say though. <laughs> it's so hard to say Attack of the say. Clones. So in most it of is the online, most romantic of all the Star Wars. It is. That's why it's the best one. It was <laughs> like Phantom Menace was fun when you're a kid because Anakin was a kid, so you're like, I relate to this because I'm a kid, you know. Or the and the pod racing and cool. And Darth Maul, cool. But, you know, you grow up a little bit and you're like, oh, Padme, Anakin, falling in love and the dresses and the, the fashion. And, oh, it was it's so good. It's so, so, so good. But, yeah, that's my favorite one by far. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's good to see somebody give love to Attack of the Clones. It's definitely not the most lauded one, but it is really important to the entire saga, I think. Yeah, I agree. So, Aaron, did you have a favorite line reading that you liked? I would say for me it was probably the line. I actually have the script here. It's the one where it talks about what a disaster the prequels were and how (laughs) we don't drink at the Star Trek references. You don't drink at the Star Trek references is like one of my favorites that you say. Like, (laughs) it's so funny. (laughs) I mean, that that one was really good because it really, to me, it dug deep into what the show was really going to be all about, you know, because I know that a lot of, from my understanding of all the Star Wars movies, as far as I know, a lot of fans were not fans, quote unquote, of the prequels, which, you know, as for me, as just a regular moviegoer, I mean, I thought they were okay, but again, that was a long time ago. I mean... Attack of the Clones. <laughs> See, that one I think was pretty good. I mean, obviously the Teletoon show of Clone Wars was fantastic, but that one was really, I mean, yeah. for me, that one was just, I really liked that because it's like, man, those prequels were a disaster. I'm like, oh, I can relate to that because everyone thought that the prequels were a disaster. And then the Star Trek references was kind of funny. I'm like, haha, they don't like each other, those Star Trek and Star Wars fans. <laughs> Have you seen Fanboys, Aaron? No, oh. I haven't. <laughs> Who here has seen Fanboys? I think it might just be Marie Claire. I've seen. You've seen it. Scenes. I made you watch it. Well, she made I said you watch you should, scenes. I said you it. had to watch bits of it because yeah, you had to at least know. Um, and like no, no bashing on Fanboys other than it is dated. Like this was just a way to say, look, we're trying to tell a different story, but let's start with something as a frame. Mm-hmm. You're not copying it or satirizing it. You're making it's something of your own. Homage mm-hmm. in the beginning. <laughs> so it, it's just referential in universe. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a nice way to do it. A lot of people are not familiar with that anymore just because, again, it is so old. But it's kind of neat to see the juxtaposition of it. Yeah, it's really funny because I brought yeah. it up. We were doing a recording with Ty, me, 
Liam and James, who are my occasional co-hosts on the podcast for when we do like roundtables and things like that. And James was like, oh my God, I remember when that movie came out. I was so excited for it. And, you know, it was such a big thing in the fandom. And he just told this huge story about how much it meant to the fandom at the time. And like, that's how big it was, you know, and if you were a fan of the time or you were into that movie, it meant something to you to have your fandom reflected back to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this was in the early days before sort of the ubiquity of the internet presence of fandom. Yes. I- So, you know, having that sense of community was a lot more in these in-person, face-to-face interactions versus where you now meet people online who share your interests and you can become much more niche with them in that sense. Exactly. So Marie Claire, I know you've wrote the whole thing, but do you have a favorite line from this episode? I do. And it's only because I listen to all of the lines as they're coming in and I choose the takes and then I send them on to Christina Menente, our fabulous audio engineer, to actually pull it together and basically build the audio world based on some things that we've talked about. But my favorite line is the one that I made Velvet say. (laughs) Mm, Oberon Motel. I like that Red Viper Venom because every time she says it, I literally crack up because she does it so well. And then she does this like thing where she's like, "Mm." Yeah, that is the appropriate response. (laughs) I just, I literally said to myself every time I had to listen to the takes, I was like, I can't believe I made her say that. I can't believe I made her say that. (laughs) Oh, can I say something really funny? Okay, so there was. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. By all means. Okay, so Marie Claire tends to have a lot of like typos. I mean, can can say if you want Marie Claire, but yeah, I have a learning disability related to writing, and I often spell and have grammatical errors. Yeah. Yeah, so um, this is something that I everybody knows what she's trying to say, so it's not a big deal ever. But one of the lines that she wrote for me was, I needs to pee. But I, I wrote that specifically like that, though. That was She awesome. wrote it specifically like that? Yes. You told me. No. You told no. me. I wrote it like that. No. I needs to pee is, is, is a thing that I'm sure a drunk Allie would say. Uh. <laughs> mind blown but i needs to pee is amazing because you're like drunk yeah well i remember this going down differently well okay if i if i didn't if i said that i i messed up it could have been like i was trying to like look at the script and be like where did i screw up (laughs) and i'm like i'm sure i screwed up i'm sorry but no i i think i wrote it that way because i think i thought thought you wrote it that way i thought after the fact that it's fine Uh, Yeah. (laughs) On that same topic, though, Marie Claire, did you have any fun things that came out of recording where people recorded lines and you were questioning (laughs) how how they were reading them? Only Ty vomiting, which sounded like she was coughing the first time. I needed to. It's really hard. I I appreciate it without actually vomiting. I know. just saying. And there are very few people on this planet that are like immune to vomit noises. Oh no, we sent it on to people to like beta listen and they were like, Marie Claire, I had to vomit. Because the first <laughs> the first go around, Christina had done such a good job and Ty had done such a good job of acting it up. It is calmed now, the vomiting. Yeah, it but literally the first, it sounded like somebody was vomiting and it made people need to vomit. It was bad. People, like, I'm gagging, Marie Claire, you gotta like, cut this. That's or not the kind of review morning. you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this, this audio drama made me vomit. Oh, great. It was so realistic that it was terrible. <laughs> Christina and I actually had to do three times back and forth to get it right. At one point, she added a trombone noise. <laughs> so it was like a... What? I th- I don't know if she was just playing with me because I was I was complaining so much about the vomiting. <laughs> oh, Christina, when you listen to this, I'm so sorry. But no, like we had to work on that scene specifically because it, people are sensitive, and and you you don't have to tell the whole thing to have it be genuine. You do have to have it be enough that it feels real. There's a fine line between realistic and too much. <laughs> Making people actually vomit while listening. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> if only I could have heard those. Because now it's just like, I want to, I see, that's the thing. I want to know. Like, you shouldn't have said we have all these other takes of vomiting. Because I'm like, now I want to hear it. Sure. So, so I will post, we could add it on to the end and people could just like end early and be like, this is just Ty for like 10 minutes making vomit noises. <laughs> 10 minutes, really? That's a lot. I mean, it was a lot. It was like, it was a long time that, and you, you did a bunch of stuff. You were like groaning and like. I, I went like, I, I did the, uh, oh, no, 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 no. And actually made it in. Yeah, that one made it in. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. And you're like, oh, like lots of that, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Yes, that's a Patreon reward waiting to happen right there. Listening. I mean, it's got to be somebody's kink, right? Is there a director's (laughs) cut version of the episode that you can put out? I mean, I think Christina probably has the original one with the the, like, it's like a solid 30 seconds. Yeah, it's so long. I listened to it. I was like, right there. You know, like when everybody complains about scenes being too long in movies like they're like ah that canto bite chase scene is too long it's like these are the types of decisions that directors need to make i could have had a 20 minute long episode but i had to cut out like a minute and a half of vomiting okay so that nobody got actually sick listening to the episode (laughs) or recording it or recording it The difficult decisions that we make, for sure. <laughs> the heavy crown that the director wears. <laughs> I love it. I want to speak on behalf of all the fans that we probably should have an outtake reel eventually. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe Ooh, it'll make I, it into a special feature thing. I don't know. Yeah. I like we, that. We have all the audio. I have a lot of one particular future voice actor being like, what the hell are you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Oh to themselves yeah like commentary to themselves like why are you doing this this way like yeah 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 yeah. that's, that's amazing i mean most of them like are are semi-professional and so they actually edit their own audio you know and make sure that it's nice and clean before i get it this particular one felt like i needed to hear the commentary so it's funny <laughs> that's amazing Whatever makes you laugh during this log of re-listening and editing, correct? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it does take a, quite a long time to review the audio to select takes. And I know Christina does a lot of work into the actual production part of it. Yeah. We appreciate the effort that you put into it. We know it has been a long labor of love, but it's got to feel good to see it coming into fruition. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's... It's fantastic. And just a callback to what Ty said about Marie Claire's spelling and grammatical errors. My name is actually spelled incorrectly on the Fangirls website. Oh. <laughs> well, I can change it before this comes out. <laughs> uh, uh, I, it. That was Kyle. That's a Kyle thing. Oh, a, this is a Kyle thing? Oh, yeah. Better. The producer. Yeah. So this will probably be changed by the time it comes out unless I don't tell him. <laughs> so then I am now known as a Rowan, A R A O N. A Rowan. Oh, nice. That kind of sounds like a D&D name. <laughs> yeah, your name is actually Sean Franklin in the story. I I totally didn't remember that, but in spoiler in, alert, geez. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm so glad you have a name. Yeah, you have a name officially now. I have just I, given it to you. In the world. Nice. No, I, I'm sure Kyle will change it as soon as he hears this podcast note. I'm sure. Nah, he's, he's going to leave it. He's going to be like, nah, he's gonna, I'm going to watch him stew for a bit. <laughs> Theoretically, it's spelled wrong on the post too. Now I need to go check. <sighs> <laughs> this will be my first and last voice acting endeavor if this is how it's going to be going no forward. No one will know who you are. I'm- yeah, and your name is literally spelled wrong everywhere. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> this is just, this is just going from bad to worse. <laughs> An impressive type. I mean, I just checked on your bio page too, and it's spelled wrong everywhere. How did you manage that? What do you mean, how did I manage that? I mean, I assume that your picture is very, very stylish though. It looks like you're in the office. <laughs> I was in the office when they took that. I was standing at my desk and they just took that photo. I was like staring at, I don't know why I had my sunglasses on. <laughs> oh no, I think because I have prescription sunglasses and I left them on and I was too lazy to go out to my car and get them. So I'm like, I'm just going to wear my sunglasses at 10 in the morning. It's definitely a different version of the Corey Hart. I wear my sunglasses at 10 a.m. 
Yes, <laughs> and just a reminder to everybody to go to whattheforce.ca to go view this wonderful picture. <laughs> yes, yes. Under yes. the fangirls area, you can find all of the things about the fangirls. Did we have any other social media information that people wanted to plug and share? For me, I only have my Twitter. It's at Arrow Infusion. And uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at Aaron.Infusion. I don't know why, but that's my Instagram <laughs> handle. So nice. feel free to follow me on either Instagram or Twitter. I have four pictures on my Instagram. One is of hot dogs on a barbecue, one is of a garage sale, and two are of my dog. So everything that Instagram should be used for. <laughs> Instagram is literally for posting our children and those children are animals. So yep. absolutely. <laughs> I also know that, of course, you are doing recording of your D&D sessions. Did you want to talk about that? or? Yeah, um, you can also uh, follow me and uh, Marie Claire on our adventures through the yawning portal at taverntales.ca. You can have a listen to all of our escapades featuring Tales of the Yawning Portal, The Sun of the Citadel, Dungeon in a Box. We actually finished The Forge of Fury the last Forge night. Of Fury, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, so we're going to be moving on to, I think, another Dungeon in a Box and then and the next one, which Shrine I of Tamochen. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I ask what class and uh, race did you play recently? So this uh, this campaign we did, we were all dwarves, and nice. I played a rogue from Brooklyn who kind of talks with an accent like this. For those of you in the states. They call me Oscar, the dwarven rogue. So, how y'all doing? That's very good. Yeah. And so, Marie Claire played a bard. Yep. <laughs> oh. And I can't sing. <laughs> but just like even having my wife Paige edit some of the episodes, some of the like she recorded the one where you got the mandolin. Yeah. And you say prezies for me because you got a <laughs> presence. So you're like prezies for me. But the way you said it was just so funny. And that's what's really good about like hearing all the editing stuff like on the background. Like you wish you could just take all the stuff that you cut and just kind of have it into one spot. Like all the stuff that we edited off of the podcast for Dungeons and Dragons and like all of Ty's vomiting. You just have that and be like, here's all the stuff that's been on the cutting room floor. Go to town and do with it what you will. Like some of that stuff I just find is so funny. And I wish that we could hear more of that and just everything, movies, TV shows, podcasts, audio dramas, everything like that stuff is, that's the real gold to me. Like that's where, that's where the money is right there. It's just <laughs> what's left on the cutting room floor. Yes, as somebody who edits my own podcast, I agree with you completely. I usually have files of outtakes that are just ridiculous. <laughs> but then you also look at it, you're like, I can't post this anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> yes. Yet. 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 <laughs> Without, you know, compromising my own social media presence sometimes, I feel. Yes. So. But when you post it later, you say, look how far I've come. <laughs> yes. Growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag growth. So Ty, how about you? So you can follow me on Twitter at black underscore T-Y-M. And you can also check out my podcast, Fall For It, which is about Asian dramas. And if you don't know what that is, then feel free to ask me <laughs> sometime on Twitter. And I will gladly introduce you to the wonderful world of Asian dramas. But Mary Claire comes on there regularly, I would say. If I don't have her on, it's rare. And we talk about various Taiwanese, Japanese, Chinese, Korean dramas, and they're very unique. So you can follow on Twitter at fallforit underscore drama. So, yep. Awesome. Thank you. How about your YouTube channel? You've got some great videos oh, on yeah. that. I always forget. Also that one. I haven't posted a video in a while. I've been posting my podcast on my channel, but I am currently writing like three different videos. I just have to, after celebration, it'll be easier to actually produce them. But my YouTube channel is Wit and Folly. It's W-I-T and F-O-L-L-Y. So you can follow me on there and see the stuff I've made already about Star Wars if you haven't seen it or other various things. And I'm making more, I swear. There's people <laughs> that are like, where's your Star Wars videos? And I'm like, I'm trying, okay? Like, I'm doing As it. Someone who made a video once. It takes so they, they takes a really long time. I made one video and I'm like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> it no. is the most time investment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I was producing them at a very fast rate last year, but that's because I wasn't doing anything else. Mm -hmm. 
now I'm doing a lot of other things. So <laughs> Yes. And celebration coming up. We are all slammed, but afterwards, you know, maybe things will calm down a little bit, but then we have episode nine to look forward to. <laughs> right. Small and Mandalorian, Resistance yeah. season two. Resistance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I highly recommend you go on to uh, Ty's YouTube channel, personally, from somebody who has followed a lot of the fandom meta around the storytelling aspects of the sequel trilogy and how it relates to George Lucas's vision. I really appreciated those videos. Thank you. Yeah, especially the one on the feminine aspects of The Last Jedi and the story in general. So, Yeah, I love that one. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. So Marie Claire, of course, as the creator of the show and also the host of your own podcast, you have a lot on your plate, but did you want to plug anything besides this or oh, talk sure. about yourself? If you're not already subscribed to Fangirls, please subscribe. I don't know why you're listening to this particular episode of Fangirling without being subscribed <laughs> to Fangirls. It's on the same RSS feed, so please subscribe. <laughs> Someone just um, dropped in for one episode like in the dips. It is that. I mean, that... That is amazing. I would listen to her literally read a shopping list. <laughs> so that's cool. If you're here just to listen to, to Nat talk, because I would. Thank you. But please do subscribe. It's going to be fun. It's, of course, the first episode's already out. And we are getting another whole seven episodes to come. And hopefully it keeps the space warm waiting for episode nine. That's my hope. But if you're interested in me talking more specifically about Star Wars and you're not sick of my voice already, please do check out MWT Force Show on Twitter or whattheforce.ca is the website. I'm also on YouTube at What the Force. Come and check that out. I have been told I have a halfway decent Star Wars podcast. I'm also on <laughs> Tavern Tales with Aaron, especially if you like the sound of his voice. You can I, also listen to mine yeah. on Tavern Tales. We have two full dungeons and a dungeon in the box, and we'll be going into yeah. a new in a new dungeon in the box shortly. And I play a guy and then a girl. And he <laughs> plays a girl and then a guy. It's crazy. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's we've been going on for how long? A year? It's a year and a half now. Year and a half, Tavern Tales, wow. Tavern Tales of playing a year and a half. And What the Force is just over a year old. I also want to pitch one more thing, which is also Fall For It, which I'm also on. God, I'm on everything. But I I really want to pitch, and I'm going to try to start focusing on it uh, this summer, which is HoloNet Radio, a site dedicated to promoting Star Wars podcasts with the ability to sort and filter based on categories and tags. And there's included within that inclusive categories, which help you find maybe voices that are not as easily found via Google. Yes. (laughs) So uh, that's my side, 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 side project. I don't give it as much love, but it is still important to me. Yeah, I think it's a very important venture. We don't have a very many networks specific to elevating voices in the fandom that are underrepresented, whether they be women or people of color. And yeah, it's and it's not, to- even a, it's not even a network. It's just a way to post and promote because it's searchable by Google. So then you can be found a little bit easier too. It's just a way to post and get your name out there and also be found just a little bit easier. And I'm going to start updating it with people that I can add in and then people can add in their own inclusive categories when they want to. That's wonderful. And so is this an open invitation for people that might have? Yeah. If you haven't already uh, submitted a podcast, please do. We'll get that posted up there and then it's a little bit easier to find. Awesome. Thank you. And as somebody who listens to Marie Claire's podcast regularly, I can tell you that she has a great interview style. She has great guests on being able to talk with actual creators and story group members from Lucasfilm and asking the hard-hitting questions about canon that we are all desperately wanting to hear. So if you have not listened to it yet, please do. I highly recommend it. We have a podcast called Meta Machina that's spelled M-E-T-A-M-A-S-H-I-N-A. We deliberately look at all sorts of fiction, mostly sci-fi and fantasy, but anything from Land Before Time to Blade Runner. And as three women, we examine it from our own lenses and try to unpack some of the issues with the content in regards to writing or maybe just talking about being really thirsty for high-waisted pants, you know, like (laughs) we have a wide range of topics, but they all center around the female gaze. So check that out. We're on Twitter. We have our own website 
And if you want to follow me on Twitter so that you can see me getting really angry about trivial information in the Star Wars fandom, <laughs> I'm at Ashes for Foxes on Twitter. So thanks again for listening. And if you are looking forward to episode two of Fangirls just as much as we are, come back on April 25th to hear the next episode. Or if you are part of our Patreon on What the Force, you can also get that episode a week early or on the 18th. You should also pitch yourself. Um, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, enough of us talking. You say something now. No, <laughs> I, I much prefer to be a host.